Keisha Gunter, and you're listening to Roar, an energetic and enlightening weekly podcast that will help you achieve more. This weekly infusion of candid insights, indispensable lessons, inspiring stories, and success strategies for living your best life now will help you on your journey to making your dreams a reality. My experience as a Fortune 50 business and tech executive has led me to meet some pretty amazing people. On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar! Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Gunter. So what do I mean by Roar? The beauty of Roar is that it's both an acronym. The acronym stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And it's an action. We are all born with it, a hidden power inside of us. It is a fire that is often suppressed by fear. That power is your Roar, and it's waiting to be unleashed. I was very fortunate as a young person to be surrounded by a community of people, starting with my amazing mom, who always believed in me and told me I could do and be anything I wanted. They encouraged me to be bold, be brave, and always be willing to invest in myself and others would do the same. My mom raised me with a glass half full mentality and to always believe that the best is yet to come as opportunity comes in all shapes and sizes. The first real test of this came when I was a 19-year-old sophomore in college, and I had just landed one of the most coveted summer internships of the National Society of Black Engineers National Conference in Houston. And that was an opportunity to go work for Hewlett Packard Corporation, HP. I had scored big, as HP was one of the most admired tech companies in the world. I was thrilled to have this opportunity. There was one minor detail that was a bit concerning, though, and that was the need to relocate to Corvallis, Oregon for the job. Corvallis, Oregon, right? Where was that? Corvallis is a very small town in Oregon where I knew absolutely no one. I had a decision to make. Do I go back to the company that had interned with the summer before, which was only 45 minutes from my college campus, or do I travel over 3,000 miles to the farthest corner of the United States into the unknown. It was decision time. Which option? Known versus unknown? Comfort zone versus courage zone? My college advisor told me, if you don't jump, you will never soar. I was reminded of the quote that life begins outside of our comfort zones because that is where all the good stuff happens. I knew I had to look inside and release my brave. So I jumped into the unknown. I entered the courage zone and moved to Oregon. I unleashed my roar and the experience would forever change my life. I interned with HP for four summers and they paid for my graduate school degree and offered me a job after grad school. My time at HP created a foundation in my life that is still rock solid today. And I made lifelong friends who have blessed me in ways I would have never imagined. It was these types of experiences at an early age that helped me to not only develop my roar, but to tap into it and use it as one of my superpowers. Use it to step into the unknown, to take risk, to embrace new adventures and create successful outcomes. 
So this is exactly what drew me to my guest today, Rose Schooler. Rose is a woman who looked at the impossible and sees the possible. She has a glass half full mentality. If you tell her it can't be done, she will show you how to get it done with style and grace. She's a fearless leader who has a track record for stepping into the unknown, embracing it and delivering results. She's an inspirational and an empowering leader with a heart for people, and she stands up for what is right. I am so fortunate to work with her and experience this powerhouse daily. To the world, she's a corporate vice president and general manager of Global Data Center Sales at Intel. She leads a worldwide organization responsible for revenue and strategy across the various sales, tech support, and channel capabilities to deliver data center solutions to Intel's customers and partners. In her current role, she's responsible for half of Intel's revenue. Yes, half. Rose started her career at Intel in 1989 and has held positions in manufacturing, quality, and reliability, and marketing. Yes, she's a super successful technical woman leader, but she's also an amazing daughter, wife, and mom to a beautiful daughter named Lauren. So with that, let me welcome Rose to the show. Welcome, Rose. Good morning, darling. How are you today? Great to be I with you. I am great. Oh, wonderful. We're so thrilled to have you with us today. I know the audience is just going to love you. So today, Rose, we're going to talk about tapping into your roar to unleash your boldness, your fierceness, and your fearlessness in a way that empowers you and others around you to believe and achieve more. You know, as, as I said, I'm really excited to have you here with me today. I mean, you know, I've had an opportunity to just watch you over the years. And what always comes to the forefront for me is that you have an unbelievable grit and a champion mindset and a spirit that it just won't be denied. And it's all fueled by a kindness and a fun-loving soul that you have that truly says you want to make a genuine impact in the world. All it takes is five minutes with you, and one will walk away believing in themselves and what they can achieve. It's like once we're in your presence, we get a shot in the arm of confidence, fierceness, and fearlessness. I know for me, I always feel unstoppable every time I talk to you. I want to talk to you every morning. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so kind. You're so kind. Hey, I just love it. I want right? to talk to you every morning. I want to start my day big on your <laughs> podcast because this feels good. Well, it's true. It's so true. And you know what? I mean, I've had the opportunity to talk to a number of people in your organization. And you know, most people, when they're looking for the job, they always look for the person that they believe can help them achieve their goals and someone that creates an environment where people can thrive. And they always run to your organization. Again, that's why I thought it's so important to share you with my audience today. So let's kind of jump right in. Let's do this. Let's do it. So, you know, every superhero (laughs) has an origin story. (laughs) Okay. For example, you know, Spider-Man got a superpower after being bit by a radioactive spider. So tell us your origin story. How did you develop the Rose effect? Okay. How did you form this in your life? And maybe think about, you know, just a time back to your childhood, maybe up to now, how did you develop this superpower? I call it the Rose effect. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you talk about Spider-Man getting bit by a spider. I kind of believe that you are a collection of your experiences. And I think I can't pick one, but there are so many things that kind of led to who I am today. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. often, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to our women's networks at Intel and I'll talk about my personal journey from steel town to Silicon Valley. And I think all of those attributes kind of have created what 
probably is my superpower, which is a passion for results accompanied with kindness to bring people along in a collaborative fashion to achieve them. And, you know, whether it be the fact that neither of my parents have a college education, but yet my mother ended up, as she retired, she was a senior vice president at the local bank. Dad was a hardworking man in a steel mill. You know, nobody in my family until me, and there's only three of us, so I guess I covered all three, went to college, (laughs) right? So I think the grit and the determination come from what I would call pretty humble beginnings and a family structure of people that were hard workers. And then you get, you just get blessed. You get blessed with being surrounded by just amazing people. And it could be some of my initial managers and experiences when I was working in the fab that if we had an issue in manufacturing, you know, it didn't matter that you just started and you were a new college grad, right? Get your tail in there, pull the team together and get the issue resolved. And there's story after story that creates that can-do attitude that accompanied the grit. Mm -hmm. And then I just had, you know, some amazing people in my life, whether it be, I had a formal coach that gave me the self-confidence that I needed. I had leaders and managers that I worked for that forced me to build strategic acumen. And then I had people like a guy that I worked for named Doug Davis, who, who taught me that you could be effective, drive results and be kind at the same time. So I know that you're looking for my spider bite, but I would (laughs) maybe create an analogy is that I got bit by a lot of mosquitoes. (laughs) my superpower if that's a it, you know I, without the itch we'll go without the itch but a lot of little I things love not it. one big thing yeah I mean what I hear you say too is I mean sounds like I mean your family is just at the core of everything right and really you saw some phenomenal examples in your mom and yeah. dad but what I hear you also say too is they set the foundation but it was relationships. When we talk about Roar, one of the R's is for relationships. And it sounds like you had an amazing team of people that invested in you, uh, mentored you, coached you, and really kind of showed you the path forward. And as a result, you've done the same thing. Yeah. And it's interesting because you have to take something away from every experience that you have. And it was funny. I was asked to do a session on mentoring once. And I think mentoring is important. So don't get me wrong that I don't th- that I I had wonderful mentors in my career. But again, you've been surrounded by amazing leaders, and you also have the opportunity to experience some not so great leaders. And in each of mm-hmm. those environments, you go, you know what? This person did this really well. They were operationally very sound. But you know what? Maybe not so good strategically. So they surrounded themselves with people that fortified their weaknesses. And hey, I really like Mm. that. Good leaders understand their strengths and they're humble enough to understand their weaknesses. So they bring people with them with a common goal to fortify that that weakness. Hmm, I like that. I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to put that in my bag of tricks. And then, oh boy, this person, you know, they attack this issue, but in the same time, they attack the person. And I watch the expression mm-hmm. on the person's face. And I can't say yeah. that that person is bought in to either the goal or the activity or the strategy or the objective. And, you know, I want someone to feel bought in 
when they're on my team. So I think, you know, whether you've got to look at both good experiences and bad experiences and in every engagement, take something away that you can learn. Wow. That's powerful. What great advice. I just remember a time and it just speaks to what you just said and how you lead, right? You know, I remember you gave a presentation and, and the, the title I think was Big Team Little Me. <laughs> and that stuck with me. I can't, I, I just always go back to that, right? Because it's the power of the team and you're just one piece of it. But to your point, you just surround yourself with great people who are, are can galvanize around a collective goal and want to win together. And you do that so well. Thank you. Thank you. It was interesting because I was asked kind of the last minute to give a a presentation to our executive leadership team. And I'm like, holy smokes, I've got nothing, right? I, <laughs> I've got nothing. And they gave me kind of a framework to work in. And I thought back, and it was a really funny story. I was, um, it was either during track or basketball season. And, you know, we were practicing and the football team was coming out from lifting and they have these mm-hmm. big team little me shirts. And it isn't it funny how something like that sticks with you your whole life? And I thought, yes, yes, that's really cool. They are putting the team before their individual accomplishments. And that's another one of those little bites, right? Not necessarily <laughs> the Spider-Man bite, but a little bite yeah. that said, wow, if that's something that I can build on as a foundation where if I always put the team goal first, my personal goals will just naturally happen at the pace that they're meant to happen. And I think that's been really important at Intel too, because, you know, if throughout my career, you just always try and remember what's best for the company, what's best Mm -hmm. for the company that will allow us to increase shareholder value, create an awesome environment for employees where they want to work at Intel or they want to be part of your team. And I think that's just one of those and maybe that was a little bit more than a small bite. That might have been a little bigger bite that kind of sat with me. And it was literally <laughs> on a t-shirt of the football players as they were leaving lifting. Big team, little me. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I love that. I love that. I grew up in the 80s and 90s watching a show called MacGyver. I don't know if you remember oh, that show. I, do. Um, <laughs> I know I'm I dating do. myself again, but wasn't it fun? But what I loved about it was that the main character was a problem solver, right? He had a, this very, you know, trusty toolkit, with very simple tools that would enable him to overcome any predicament or situation. And of course, his go-to tool was that Swiss Army yep. knife, right? As leaders, we often have a toolkit that we can draw on that helps us build strong, successful teams and high-performing organizations. You know, what do you think we should have in our MacGyver toolkit, so to speak, that should be at the forefront as leaders for ourselves and our teams, especially in this changing environment that we're facing every day? Yeah, that's a great question. And that, oh man, you and I could spend a whole podcast on just this topic, but there's a couple foundational things that are critical for me in terms of my leadership experiences and journeys. And one of them I would put at the, you know, in the top few, that top handful is accountability. I think accountability is so critically important. I mean, from an, a number of different facets. Um, I think back to products that, because you noted in the in the intro, the majority of my time at Intel, I've I've been on the P and L side, running P and Ls. I've only been in sales the last three four years. But you make a lot of big decisions when you're running a P and L, right? What products do you invest in? What's the resource profile for your organization? What are the critical skill sets that you need? And at the end of the day, you mm-hmm. have to own those decisions. There are, and there are some that 
you know, you look back on and you go, man, that was a great one. And then there's some that you go back and you go, man, I didn't either assess the data correctly or something changed in the market and I wasn't flexible in the approach that I was taking. But your organization is looking for you to be accountable. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to look sideways, up or down and say, you know, it's so-and-so's fault. So I think accountability is, is really, really important. The other thing is I think courageousness mm-hmm. is pretty critical in your tool belt. When you're leading and driving a strategy to grow a business or to win share or whatever your goal is, you've got to set some big impactful goals. Because if you don't, you really don't stretch your thinking outside of your normal kind of box or comfort zone. So I think setting big, courageous goals. And then I always say, you know, you got to get the right people on the bus. Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard one sometimes from a leadership perspective, because it's easy to fall back on people you know and have a relationship with. And there have been many times where I've been hiring for a critical role and looking at the candidates, there's a person that you know that's delivered for you many, many times and a person who has the exact skill set, domain expertise, and comes highly recommended. Mm-hmm. And to not choose that person that you've known and relied on for years is really hard. Right. It's really right. hard. So I think, you know, getting the right people on your bus is your third one. And then another one that I would highlight is you always have to be learning. Yeah, You have yes. to create an organization that's a learning organization and there's an opportunity for you to teach as well. So I, I call it teach and learn, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you want to have something for your team as well as for you personally that allows you to learn. And then for the experiences that you've been through, the things that y- you have built as part of your domain, you should give back. Absolutely. Teach. teach because it reinforces what you've learned. I mean, it, it shares that insight and that experience with others. So that, that's just kind of a few, right? Accountability, teaching and learning, mm-hmm. you know, setting big, courageous goals, getting the right people on the bus. And then the last one that I'm going to say that I should have said first is you've got to have your work-life harmony. Yes, yes. And a lot of people use the word balance, and I hate that word mm-hmm. because I think it infers that you're 50, 50, because you look at a scale that's balanced and it's completely even. Right. Mm -hmm. And we all know that in our careers, there are times, well, not right now, but you're on the road for a a week. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not getting a lot of balance that week. I'm on the road. Right. I'm not seeing my (laughs) husband. I'm seeing my daughter. I'm on, I'm not there. And yes, we talk and text and spend time, but it's not like when you're all together as a family. So you've just got to learn how to look at the situations that you're in and make sure that you can establish the harmony that works for you. Absolutely. And I think all of those are certainly relevant, right? I mean, you talk about, I talked a little bit about stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's where all the good stuff happens and being courageous and and really just jumping into the unknown, right? And, And then looking for ways to drive tremendous I would say growth, right? Not doing the same thing and expecting different results, right? But actually- Oh, well, yeah. And a perfect example is just what I want in my own career. Like I just mentioned, I spent the majority of my life running P&Ls and I loved it. 
but I had an opportunity to move to sales and marketing and it's something I had never done. Love it. And I was scared to death. <laughs> and I will tell you that I am, cause I had been at Intel 27 years at that point. Right. So right. That, you're expected to bring a certain level of domain with you wherever you go after 27 years. And you've got to put your ego in check and just say, you know what, there's a whole lot of stuff I don't know mm-hmm. and that I need to learn. And I have to be humble and secure of my, within myself enough to speak the words I don't know. Mm-hmm. And even the best, most experienced CEOs will run into situations where they don't know something. And they have to have the confidence to say, yeah, can we set up some time? I'd really like to understand that farther. And that goes back to being a lifelong learner, right? Yeah, man, I love that, right? I mean, a couple of things. So opportunity to, to take a, a major pivot in your career, right? Yeah. And there might've been a little bit of um, a nervousness, a little bit of fearlessness, a fear, I should say. But what you did- <laughs> well, is a whole lot of fear, honey. <laughs> okay, but what you did was, is you relied on your past experiences, right? You began to reflect yep. on, okay, I've been doing- in this environment for 27 years, I know how to jump in with what I understand. I know how to ask for what I don't know and learn at the same time. So you reflected, which is what the R is in in, uh, ROAR, right? And you said yes to the opportunity. And I will tell you, there's always something that you can bring to an organization Mm -hmm. through your, and I go back to a lot of those little bites, right? All those little bites create who you are. All of those experiences create who you are. And, And in this exact scenario, you know, I understood how to run a portfolio and, and I said, Hey, I wonder how we can apply some of those same methodologies Mm -hmm. into sales and marketing, whether, or it could be your leadership approach, or it could be something in terms of a cultural attribute, not Mm -hmm. just domain expertise. You know, I'm giant on truth and transparency. Is there something that I can bring to this organization around truth and transparency? Just to name a few, right? So it doesn't even have to be a skill. Mm-hmm. It can be a cultural attribute. Absolutely. You're going to bring something new to that experience, right? That can certainly change the trajectory of that organization. So the A in ROAR is all about action. So, you know, what actions are you planning to take to expand your value, impact, and significance, both personally and professionally? And what are you doing to help your teams do this? Because again, you know, we're in a completely virtual environment right now. The whole world has changed on a dime because of this coronavirus. What are some things that you're doing or actions that you're taking right now? Sure. So let me answer that twofold. One, let me answer it from a market view. Mm-hmm. And then second, let me answer it from a situational view, specifically around COVID. Mm-hmm. So from a market perspective, one of the things that I think is pretty pervasive across the industry is that I think when we started to look at cloud, cloud was a set of customers. And as the architecture became more pervasive, is starting to impact other vertical segments, right? So it's not just cloud service providers. You see cloud implementations in communications or enterprise, et cetera. So we had to step back as a sales and marketing organization and say, what does this pivot in the industry mean to the skill sets that we need in the organization? Wow. So we're currently going through the process of understanding the market dynamics and the response from a skill set perspective in a sales organization, not in a business unit, right? You're very different. Your product approach might be different in a business unit 
your domain expertise and your engagement approach might be different in sales and marketing. So that's the first example that's, I'd say, market influenced. The second one is let's talk a bit about the situation that we're in right now. Obviously, everybody does planning, right? You go into the year, you go, hey, I'm in sales. And based on what we're seeing from the market data, here are the big verticals that we see growth in. Here's how we align our resources accordingly. And then boom, a global pandemic hits. Mm -hmm. And guess what? All that analysis, you can take it and throw it out the window. Right. (laughs) Because the world has, as we all know and are experiencing every moment of every day, is changing. It's dynamic. The markets that you expected to grow, the innovations that you expected to drive may be different. So we had to step back and say, do we want to pivot our resources in the field? Do we want to take from some segments? And, you know, maybe we all understand, I don't think I'm sharing anything um, that anyone that's listening wouldn't acknowledge. Retail is struggling in some use cases right now. Mm-hmm. Should we pivot from to healthcare, which needs technology like it's never needed technology before. Absolutely. Some might be market driven and some might be uh, situational driven. Mm-hmm. And then I should add, you know, even how you engage with customers, you're like, how do you do sales when you can't get on a plane? <laughs> well, let me tell you, there's not a video tool that we're not using. Yes. We're getting super creative in how we engage with customers using those tools for even doing things like you know, working with customers on technical issues. So mm-hmm. you can't be an ostrich, right? right? You can't right. put your head in the sand. You need to be an eagle and fly up above the, the landscape and see what you need to change and alter. I just think that it's, especially in these times that are so uncertain, there's a couple things that you can't do. Mm-hmm. You can't get so bought into your idea mm-hmm. or your decision, your decision that you you're not watching what's going on around you, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to keep your eyes open and your ears open and you've got to continue to collect information and insights. So, you know, if you need to make another pivot. Mm -hmm. So I think you can't get too arrogant, I guess is a good word on the decisions that you make. You need to be flexible, take in new data and adjust accordingly. You got to be able to pivot. Love it. That's fantastic advice. How have you developed and drawn on your resilience? I mean, you you just have this um, reservoir to me of just resiliency and it's been built over the years. So what are some things that you're doing and what are some things that you think we can do to strengthen our resilience during this time? Yeah, there's one thing that I keep telling everyone in my team. We're reaching out a lot, you know, to our extended teams in these times. And I think it's really important to take care of your own personal, physical, and emotional health. Mm -hmm. The majority of people like being around other people and like engaging. And we don't have that luxury right now with our stay-at-home activities. Right. So I think it's just really important to find a way to continue to fuel your physical and emotional health. So I've done a couple different things. You know, I exercise anyway. And I being in the role that I'm in, I was traveling a lot Mm -hmm. and that had fallen off. So my exercise went from six days a week to sometimes none. Mm -hmm. And on average, maybe two or three. So I had really let myself in terms of the amount of physical activity, that whole profile of me 
had kind of reduced. I wasn't exercising as much. So I'm exercising at least six days a week, if not seven. Um, The other thing that I started to do to really just help manage my mental health and emotional health through this is I started to meditate a bit and I found that it's super calming and has been really, really powerful in terms of a personal tool. And then I think the third thing is continue to keep connections. Yes. You can stay connected. We are blessed. Yes. We are blessed with this wonderful technology that allows you to FaceTime your, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your children, who your friends yes. right, to have virtual happy hours and to allow that to kind of fuel that need for the personal interaction. So a physical and emotional focus for you personally, as well as staying connected. I love it. Uh, so true. Such great advice. Such great advice. How can we ensure that we don't see fear in this time, right, of, of Corona or COVID-19, but we see opportunity? How can we release our greatest talents, our gifts, and our strengths, creativity as well in this time and season to create a better future for all of us? Yeah, that's a great question. I believe that we can't leave behind the positive personal attributes that have come out of this situation. Kindness, prioritization around connecting with others. Yes. And I don't think that that's limited to just your personal life, right? Or your home life. The number of times that someone that I have worked with in in years, they've reached out just to see how we're doing, how I'm doing, Mm -hmm. how the team is doing. And, you know, obviously we're reciprocating by doing the same thing. And I think just the human element of kindness and connectivity, we have to carry that forward in appreciating the little things in life, like being out, be able, able to get out and go for a walk and an, a handshake, yes. a hug. Those are the things that I got, God as humanity, Yes, I hope we carry forward. Absolutely. Now, from a professional side, the responsiveness that I'm seeing from Intel and, and companies around support for technology and innovation that help either in the diagnosis, the treatment, the analytics behind the virus itself, mm-hmm. and you know the investment that people are making to drive and use innovation to help us perform better in these areas moving forward, I think are really, really critical. Technology and innovation have played a big role and will continue to play a big role moving forward. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, a couple of things, right? I know when we first kicked off the conversation, we talked a little bit about your superpower, right? The Rose Effect. And so I want to kind of go back to that and ask a question. When you think back on your experiences growing up, you know, that really shaped you to be who you are. What stands out as a defining moment that really helped you find your roar? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And, you know, I had commented earlier about the multitude of small experiences that have built who I am today and have created my superpowers. And if if there were a couple things that truly kind of come to the forefront in my history and my journey... There were a few things like one, I think you know, there was a time where when I was getting ready to go to college, my father lost his job. My family was financially struggling, but we were blessed that my mother still had her career and she was able to carry forward enough of the financial support that I was able to go to college. And, and then my dad did anything he could to contribute. Absolutely. Right? The fact that he, 
He would wash floors. He would take side jobs as a plumber, whatever he needed to do to just contribute to the family. And that I'd put that under the bucket of both my mother and father taught me the value of hard work and you do what you need to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. period. And there is no hierarchy and there is no job that you shouldn't be willing to roll yourself, your sleeves up and do, right? Whether it be the, the janitor or the CEO, mm-hmm. everybody has a role and no role is too big or too, too small, small for anyone on this planet. So I think that the hard work and the humility were really key. And then the other thing that I think was really critical for me is I was a GM Mm -hmm. of a pretty sizable business at the time. And I had my first professional coach and she brought forward, you know, the fact that I had pretty sizable imposter syndrome, which I think is pretty common, unfortunately, amongst women. Right. And, you know, I felt that I didn't feel that I had done everything that I needed to do Mm -hmm. to be in the role that I was in and that I had the breadth of experience required. And, I felt, you know, that at some point someone was going to say, oh my God, she's a total fraud. What an imposter. And she sat me down. It was like, I'm not sure she was my coach or my um, psychologist (laughs) at the time. But she laid, I literally, we were offsite. I laid down on a couch, just like the stereotypical scene. And she asked me a bunch of questions about my business that I, you know, I just kind of rattled the answers off. Right. And she looked at me and, um, she said, I don't know what you're worried about. You're incredibly capable. You know exactly what you're doing to run this business. You need to step up and have the confidence that you've built and mm-hmm. you deserve. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was uh, Barbara Curry. It was a pretty big moment for me. And it was interesting since then how many times I've told this story and how many women feel the same way. So those were two pretty big defining moments, I think, for me. I love that. Actually, as you were telling those stories, I'm like, I resemble that comment that you're making. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I often ra- wrap it by saying, I'm going to save you a lot of money by yes. just telling you, you're talented, you're capable, you are a culmination of the experiences that you've lived and you are ready for this role. So there you can put your checkbook away and save yourself some money. I know that's right. I mean, wow. <laughs> great advice. And you've saved us some money at the same time. But I mean, it's so true. I think sometimes as women in a, I'm in the tech space, right. You know, or any, any work environment, I think men come to the table and they say, if the job description has 10 items and they have one, they're like, I can do this, right. I'm going to rock this thing. Whereas sometimes we, as women feel like we have to check all the boxes. And I thank you for saying that, you know what, rely on your past experiences, reflect on those past successes, bring all of that to the table is what you're saying and just rock it out. So last question before I get to my lightning round, your daughter is absolutely gorgeous for one. And just, I mean, certainly just is a reflection of who you are and how you've poured into her, you and your husband. But I want to ask you, you know, we talk about releasing our roar. Your daughter is, I think, in the technology space. She will soon be a Penn State grad here. Hopefully we have one more year. She's finishing up her second semester junior year. Yep. Love it. So what are you teaching your daughter about how to find and release her roar? What are some things that, that you're instilling in her? Yeah, probably more than she wants me to. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I go back to a really super funny story. She was playing club soccer and she was captain of her club soccer team and she was struggling and she was little. I want to say she was like nine or 10 or maybe 11. I don't know. And she was struggling with how to lead effectively. 
So I sat her down and I pulled up, you know, my key leadership tenants presentation and I started right. to walk her through it. She looked at me like I had six heads. Okay. So I would not suggest that approach. Okay. But I will tell you one thing. There were a couple things that came out, which was a conversation on how you can lead by example. The tone of how you lead matters as much as what you're saying. So if you come out and you're yelling at people and you're not kind, they're going to tell you to take a hike, right? So I think some of those um, discussions, maybe not the PowerPoint, maybe that wasn't an effective tool, (laughs) but I think the conversation that came out of it at a very early age was beneficial in terms of even leadership when you're young, right? Mm -hmm. On a field or on a team. And then it's just like, and now as she's getting ready to kind of, you know, go out on her own, it's every opportunity where I think back of something that I learned or something I, even more importantly, something I screwed up. You learn way more from your failures than you do your successes. Mm -hmm. We were riding, we we made an outing last night and um, we went and got some ice cream. It was like a big night out. (laughs) We're not getting out of the house much lately. So we went and got some ice cream. And uh, on the way back, we started talking about unemployment rates, Mm -hmm. which led to conversations around making sure you have enough of a nest egg to being able, if possible, if you're fortunate enough to get a role where you can save some money, to make sure that you save some money so you can manage the ups and downs of either having a job or losing your job or something like this pandemic that we're in the middle of. So it's everything from, you know, sharing leadership experiences to sharing life lessons to having her say, you know, mom, I, I'm really not ready for one of your teachable moments right now. <laughs> right? I mean, there, there's a time and place for everything. And I wish I could say I was 100% on point but I'm not always 100% on point, but you just want to share your life lessons with them as much as possible. Love it. Love it. Right. And all of it, they hear all of it and they receive all of it and they'll pull it out at the right time. Right. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy how that happens? Like you think they're not listening to you. And then like a month later, your words will come out of their mouth and you go, Really? They were right, listening. Right. Yeah, that's not so bad. Awesome. Well, we could spend all day talking to you. And so I want to be oh, respectful of your it's time. It's been the highlight of my day so far. Thanks. I'm going to ask a couple of quick questions just so the sure. audience can get to know you a little bit more. So what are you watching on Netflix or what book are you reading right now? Okay. So I'm in the middle of Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, which is really super fascinating. I would highly recommend it. It's, it really talks about how people are so easily influenced in a simple conversation, just based on what we know and what we want to believe. I'd recommend it. It's good. And then on Netflix, what am I watching? I'm going to say it. I did watch and binge watch Tiger King the weekend it came out. I did. No shame in that at all. (laughs) Shame. I needed a little mental escape. Yes. We just finished season three of Ozarks yesterday mm-hmm. and I have a soft spot and yes, it's going to be very telling. I love all American. Oh, I love that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I it's do. good, isn't it? It's awesome. It's yeah. kind of like the updated <laughs> 90210. It is. Uh, oh my gosh. I love it. it. It's so good. So I'm on season two of all American right now. Love it. Love it. So what are three words that describe you? I think we've got them, but tell us in your own words. Let me see. This one's hard for me because I, my humble side makes me have a hard time saying this, but I would say passionate, mm-hmm. collaborative, 
and hopefully kind. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what's your favorite way to spend your downtime? <laughs> right now, I don't mind shopping. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I like traveling. Uh, but right now, because we're staying at home, I'm exercising, watching Netflix, reading and doing jigsaw puzzles. I love jigsaw puzzles. I do them when I'm on vacation too. They are completely, they free my mind absolutely, completely. So I love jigsaw puzzles. Wonderful, wonderful. Now I also know that you're a big football fan too, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I will watch anything that I can that's sports related right now. So I should have, earlier when you asked me what I'm watching, it's not on Netflix. Love that we had the Michael Jordan documentary of the last yes. decade last night to kind of feed my sports soul. Yes. Going back to downtime, if it's fall, I'm either at the Penn State game, watching the Penn State game, or watching whatever other big game is on that weekend, right? LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Oregon, ASU. I don't care. I'm watching college football. I know, that's right. I love college football as well. (laughs) Love it. And if we don't have it this fall, I might need a day's vacation just to mourn. I might need a bereavement day. (laughs) I agree. I think we're all going to need one. (laughs) So what do you do to stay motivated and inspired, Rose? That's a great one. Motivated and inspired. Continue to learn. Mm -hmm. Continue to take care of myself. Look for role models that provide me with inspiration. It could be in my personal life or it could be professional. I mean, you know, you see people just step forward all the time that do amazing things either for the environment or the economy or for technology. So I just try and stay well informed for and find, you know, people that inspire me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what advice would you give your younger self today? Life goes really fast. Yeah. So I would just say the best way to to connect with you, Rose, if they want to continue to to hear more from you is probably through LinkedIn, would you agree? Or Twitter or Facebook? What are the best channels? I have a Twitter account. I have a LinkedIn account. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Rose. It's been an absolute pleasure. Listen, you go and have the rest of your, your day. I hope it's just amazing. Thank you and same to you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time, 